The Ambitious Mum, the podcast about ambition, motherhood and everything in between. Welcome to The Ambitious Mum podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef. I'm a wellbeing coach after previously working in consumer PR and then I took a sabbatical running a plant business. I'm also a wife and a mother to four children currently aged 14, 12, 8 and nearly 5. I've definitely struggled in the past with my ambitions. They've ebbed and flowed and evolved alongside my family. Each year as the needs of my family have changed, so too have my career goals and achievements. I want to use this podcast as a platform to bring more honest conversations to the table about our career and life ambitions in unison with parenting. My guests this season will offer new and different perspectives to the old adage of having it all. Our ambitions, however they look, run through our veins. It can be what feeds our soul and lights us up from within. Ambition can manifest in many ways and success looks different to us all. But what the common thread seems to be is the struggle for balance, boundaries and how we look after our own well-being, energy and stress levels to prevent us from burning out while we're on our ambitious journeys. During my interviews, I want to know what keeps them up at night, feeds their guilt, prevents them from showing up as their true and authentic selves and what changes internally when we become mothers. I want you to feel supported and that my guests are advocates echoing some of your feelings that maybe you've been too scared or worried to share amongst your family, friends or colleagues. So I hope you enjoy and thank you for listening. So my first guest is a lovely lady. She is a new friend. We met each other about a year ago and we met each other on a coaching course with a fabulous lady called Caroline Britton and I hope that she's going to be a guest on a podcast coming up soon. We're setting up our own different styles of coaching businesses when we we met on this course. What fascinated me about Catherine's story is how she has changed her ambitions throughout her career. And unfortunately, through different life events, she's had different mindsets and she has set up a new business called the Work Happy Project. And during this episode, we find out a little bit about her career path. We find out how she rose to the top of her industry that she was in and how she basically made quite a big U-turn into um, setting up a business for herself. It's really insightful. I found it really encouraging, really positive and uplifting to how I guess we can have different chapters in our lives and how we can um, regroup and we can change the way we think and that um, we're never too old to start again. I really hope that you find this as uplifting as I did and inspiring as I did. So here it is, the first episode of the Ambitious Mum podcast with Catherine Tiddy. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited. Thank you for being here and being my first guest. It is lovely to have you here and sort of help welcome me and sort of settle me into the podcast. It's a real privilege to be your first interviewee. So be kind. I will, of course I will. (laughs) 
So the reason why I wanted to invite you to be one of my first guests is because I love your story and I love what you are doing now. And I guess I love the contrast of where you were Mm. and where you are now. So I thought we could just dive straight in. You know that the podcast is all about ambition, being Mm. a mum. When you were working in your previous career, how did you feel about your ambition before becoming a mum and after? And how did you view your career? It's a really interesting one because I think a lot of my ambition prior to having kids, I wasn't particularly conscious of, if that makes sense. And what I've subsequently from reading about things learnt is um, I've got kind of quite a high achiever mindset. So I'm sort of programmed very much or certainly was to do what's expected of me to, you know, I never considered would I do A-levels, would I go to university? I just thought that's what that's what people do and off I go and I'll do it and I'll do it to my best of my ability. And I guess I took that approach from education right the way through my career and I think it's only then when you do have children that you start thinking oh hang on a minute this feels different Mm. and you know does it does it feel right anymore so I started my career straight from uni I had no idea what I wanted to do I moved to Manchester with my best mate we walked into Kelly services to get temp jobs to get started and I never left that's where I started sort of my career in in recruitment and I guess From there, I was constantly striving for what was next. So what was next earning wise? What was the next roll up? What was the next car I was going to get if I got that promotion? Mm. What would that mean? And quite quickly, I then moved into being part of a a setup, a, a new business. And that laid out a huge, huge amount of opportunities. And in hindsight, I just kept saying yes. So whether it was right for me or not, I almost didn't consider it. I didn't I didn't press the pause button. I didn't think about it. I just kept, just kept going. going. I just kept going. What's next? What's next? What's next? And I forgot to stop or even consider how that would change. So was the only time you really had that time to reflect was when you became pregnant and, and had children? Do you know, I don't know that I even reflected. Then I think... My eldest is now 11, so I'm digging deep in my memories to Mm. to kind of think how I felt at the time. I was obviously really excited about having a baby. I really wanted it. We'd kind of, for a couple of years, put it off thinking, oh, let's just go on another holiday or let's, you know, get things that we wanted to do that we knew having kids would Mm. kind of limit us to doing done. We moved house, that kind of thing. And when I got pregnant with Zach, I just assumed and I remember having the conversation with my boss god I'll be back in six months you know six months is ages god I don't know what I'll do with myself at home with the baby all day Mm. and as anybody who's experienced a newborn six months goes in a flash of an eye doesn't it I don't think I even lifted my head up till it was three months and then I was like ah shit I've got to get back to work deprivation kicks in and yeah and straight away and I can remember this feeling so clearly was like this horrible like I can remember it being 12 weeks, so I must literally have kind of started thinking about it when he was three months old, thinking, I've only got 12 weeks left, I've only got 10 weeks, I've only got nine weeks. And this sort of horrible fear started building of how actually am I going to bear to leave him and go back to work and how actually am I going to do that job? So were you struggling with your identity, I guess, from when you had Zach and from how you felt beforehand as well? 
or did you feel that you made that transition quite easily? I probably approached it like I had everything else of I'll cope, it'll be fine and went back into what was still a, a, a really busy job. I think at the time I was a director, I had teams sort of up and down the UK, um, I was travelling around a lot and you know it broke my heart putting him into nursery from really quite an early age I think he probably started going into nursery from about seven months Mm. and I really struggled with the whole god being the last mum to pick up and rushing through traffic and all the stress of that that you know anybody that's been in that situation will will understand but I was in an environment where I wasn't on my own doing that there was a lot of us my boss was in a, a very similar situation and was it spoken about the overwhelm or the, the the feelings of not being able to cope with the juggle? Or was everyone just sort of ploughing through and keeping their heads down and hoping that it was just going to get easier? At that time, was there a culture of, of other mums opening up and being supportive? I think there was, well, there was a sort of move towards, and, and I pushed it quite hard as well. And I was really lucky to have a female boss who had a child who was kind of three or four years older Mm. than mine and that that she worked on a a slightly flexible basis but you know going back to then flexible was you can work four days a week Mm. and so I took a Wednesday off and that was my little kind of oasis in the middle of the week I was never kind of away from him for more than two days at at any kind of solid period And then my husband, actually, which worked for us as a family, he worked for quite a forward-thinking, fairly small business um, and had a conversation with them about, you know, if if he were to be able to make it work to work four days a week, would that be all right with them? And Mm. they embraced it. And so Nick used to not work on a Friday. I had the Wednesday off. Fantastic. So the kids, as was when Max came along as well, went to school, went into nursery three days and then were off with us those two days during the week and the weekend and I can remember in my mind thinking that's okay because they're with us more than they're not with us Mm. kind of in a a seven day period but yeah it's never easy I don't think any working mum ever truly gets used to or is okay with absolutely leaving a little one so you worked in recruitment for 20 years Mm. and towards the end of your career you were made MD so you were really like at the top of your game yeah you sort of this is what you'd been striving for after all this time yeah and sadly you lost your dad about 18 months ago I did and you had a almost like an epiphany what I say I mean I don't know if it was it wasn't overnight because I was with you during the time yes yeah but we could see that um as the weeks got on you were becoming more and more definite in your head that this is what you wanted to do that you couldn't do this sort of corporate rat race anymore yeah. and your well-being and your home life and your family were becoming way more important than I guess the ambition that you had within mm. that industry yeah and I think what I find interesting is being able to make the difference between a sort of see the difference between your ambition that you had then mm. And I guess what ambition you have now and how different that looks. And are you able to expand a little bit more yeah, on that? Gosh. I have probably taken three years, I reckon, realistically, to make the transition that I've made mm. from kind of corporate world. So before Dad even got ill, I had this huge kind of doubt that I was doing the right thing I used to kind of I I did a lot of commuting and that's actually a lot of time on your own Mm -hmm. thinking about things whether that was at airports at six in the morning or it was driving in my car for two hours to to get somewhere 
And I knew that something had changed in me and I, did, I didn't really kind of know what it was. I mm. knew I wanted to do something different, but you know, a lot of the reason that I set up the Work Happy Project is to help people in the situation that I was in. I genuinely felt I had no choice. You know, our lifestyle had built with the incomes that Nick and I had. We always, right from moving in together, did everything 50-50. You know, we earned similar sort of amounts. So it simply wasn't a, an option to kind of just cut one of those salaries yeah. and, and go off and do something different. And for a long, long time, I didn't know what that different could be. You know, I read a load of stuff about what would, you know, what finds your passion. And, and it feels like you never work a day in your life and all of this stuff. And I was just saying, I haven't got a passion. I don't know what my passion is. So for months and months, I did more learning, which really sparked something in me. So I decided in my own time, um, company actually supported me with it and funded it. But I did a master's level CIPD qualification um, in career development and talent management and things and started learning and really sort of opened my eyes to to what I found that I loved which was lots of sort of concept around positive psychology and how you can really thrive at work mm. and started getting really interested in it I started listening to more podcasts and I kind of knew that this lit me up but I didn't know how on god's earth I would be able to replace the income the package everything that I had in the, the role that I was doing in corporate world to do anything yeah. with it. So I kind of incorporated as much as I could into my job, which I think helped my role and my development in my role, but I still couldn't kind of make this leap. And I knew that I wasn't being true to myself. I thought I'd lost all my ambition. I used to look at other people, some people that worked for me in the business and think, oh my God, you're more ambitious than me. That's wrong. I must be. So you kind of almost got to where you got to and that, and you kind of like fell at the last hurdle almost. I'm not saying that you, you didn't fail, but you kind of got where you got to and realised that actually that's not where I want to be. It wasn't, yeah. You know, you kind of, and I think so many people do this in sort of chasing success they think, oh, when I get that promotion, I'll be so happy. I'll be super happy. I'll be earning this. I'll be driving that. I'll be boss of X, Y, and Z. You get it. And, you know, I think a lot of us women then have imposter syndrome kick in. Mm. You get a promotion and then you think, Christ, I can't do this job. And, oh, my God, you know, all this pressure's on me and I'm responsible for all these people. Mm. And um, I think then when you couple that with, do I really want to be doing this? And am I you know, is this right for me? Is it right for my family? Um, I, think, I think that's definitely something that's worth focusing on because I guess as we get older and mm, our kids are getting mm. older and we sort of see the impact of, of, I guess, how our career can manifest within our family life, yeah. we realise where our values lie. And I think that is is really important to address because ambition can look so different in so many different mm. ways and you were obviously striving for this kind of ultimate goal. But as you were striving, your goals and your values were changing gradually yeah. throughout this process. And so seeing what you're saying, it's really interesting because you kind of got to a point where you were like, no, um, mm. everything's changed. And where do my new ambitions lie? Yeah. And I guess back to your question about my dad, I think when dad started getting ill, that threw almost another level of of stress obviously emotional stress but also practical stress of I want to be there and mm. I, I need to be with him and you know he got ill when they were down in Dorset so he was 
miles away from me, like literally four and a half hour sort of drive to, to get down there. And as much as my company were brilliant about it, it still wasn't that easy to fit in that with balancing the kids and my job and the guilt of all of those things, you know, drives you insane. And I guess through that period and then, you know, obviously after losing dad, it just made me think, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) You know, I'm prioritising the wrong things here. My loyalties and my sense of achievement and must keep going, must keep going, all of a sudden didn't seem as important. Mm. And all of the things that I allowed to fill my head, you know, work-related problems, worries, stresses, you know, I had I had 220 odd people that were in my remit mm. and that brings with it shed loads of issues, worries, problems and I was allowing all of that to kind of fill my head day in, day out, stress me out. I used to feel like my kids and certainly my husband got what was left of mm. me rather than the best of me and I think that was a major realisation And then after dad had died, in all honesty, I stopped giving a shit about any of that stuff. And I don't mean I stopped caring about people at work and whether we were being successful. It just didn't carry the same level of importance. And another real factor that is, is really quite a conscious thing, I suppose, in my decision is my dad was a very ambitious guy. He was kind of top of his career. He was incredibly successful he always sort of pushed and strived himself, which is probably why I naturally kind of mm. followed suit. His biggest regret was that he wasn't around when my brother and I wow. were little and were growing up. And, and did he tell you that towards the end or did you always know that? It's funny, actually. He, he talked about it only after I'd had kids because I think in being around me and the boys and realising how much you do to kind of look after a young family Mm. he and my mum you know my mum talks about it still that you know he had this huge regret that he left all that to mum and he thought he was doing the the right thing by being the breadwinner and was your mum working as well or she worked when we went to school okay so from the age of me being seven I guess or five probably she worked but she was a teacher so she'd chosen her career that would work with having a family and I suppose set their finances accordingly for all of that to kind of work out whereas we just ploughed on with an expectation that things would be as was. So I guess your ambition kind of was driven by the what you saw how your dad was Mm. with his career and I think it's really interesting because our generation is different no matter you know what there were obviously forward-thinking women you know 30 40 years ago who were having careers and families and Mm. everything but it wasn't the norm where it is now and it's sort of more the norm to have these careers and families and Mm. and kind of be like working with this kind of overwhelm and and constant struggle as opposed to stay-at-home mums which were the norm and I think that we almost oversee that we kind of forget that that's what mm. it was and, and there was a reason for it. But taking a step back, obviously, you know, we're, we're enlightened women. We want mm. to kind of be modern women. We want to be able to embrace the opportunities that we should be given. But at the same time, we also need to be aware of the pitfalls and aware of the issues that can manifest and mm. can be thrown in front of us when we decide to have children while we're still sort of embarking on on a successful career. And I do find it really interesting because, 
you can't we kind of go in blindsided a little bit we kind of go in thinking oh it'll be fine we'll be able to cope and sometimes there's camaraderie at work and yeah. everyone you know you can stand around and go oh yes it is difficult and oh yes I'm not able to make sports day and all the different cliches but there's also the other side where people just don't talk about it mm. and people don't mention the internal struggles and maybe the stuff that's going on behind the scenes and with your partner and with the, your, sort of the, your own guilt and mm. kind of feelings so it is really interesting to be able to kind of dip in a little bit further about that how much of an impact does your life now have on wanting to help others through the work happy project massive I mean it's funny because it's it's why I called it what I called it in the kind of I am the project if you Mm. like um I sort of set myself off on this journey I read a book when I was delayed at Edinburgh airport in fact one night trying to get home by Gretchen Rubin Rubin, the happiness project and I started reading it and I was just like you know what I can really quickly isolate what area of my life my happiness block if you like Mm. is in so I thought, okay, let's let's kind of investigate it a bit more. What can I do to work happier? And, you know, I started when I was obviously still working to try and understand a bit more about what it was that made me happy. I read loads. I listened to tons of podcasts. And like I was talking about earlier, you know, I think when you're learning and you're opening your mind to all of this different stuff, it really helps you start formulating what is important to you Mm. and what and how you could kind of go about that and it's such a difficult and emotional process to take yourself through that the idea of being able to kind of hold somebody's hand through that and help them while they wobble and they just think there's absolutely no way I can do this and this is all too tough and break through those sort of blocks that are, are preventing them doing it is a really powerful thing. And if I can help people achieve that, then that's massive for me. That that feels mm. really a real sort of value. And I guess that, in addition to I've submerged myself in people's careers, all of my working career, so I kind of get it. I understand sort of how that world mm. of, of careers and talent and recruitment and all that sort of thing works. It just seemed like the perfect sort of marrying up of my background and my passion. And, you know, I think in order to be able to support people through any difficult process, you kind of need to have been there and done it yourself. And I think, you know, that's the value that I think that I can add. The Ambitious Mum Podcast. I just want to tell you about our sponsor this week. I'm delighted to have the Urban Massage app on board because not only am I a huge fan, I want to share this service far and wide. Like many of you, I'm a busy, time-poor mum and find it difficult to plan ahead for the much-needed self-care I so often talk about. And professionally, as a wellbeing coach, I know and promote the huge benefit of carving some time out for yourself. So whether that's a walk in nature, some meditation, a hot bath, cooking, relaxing with friends or even a massage. However, from experience, time always seems to be a barrier when it comes to prioritising self-care. My husband and I have used Urban's app on several occasions and always booked in last minute when we have had an unexpected slot of free time. Not only can we handpick our therapist according to their speciality or experience, we can have the massage within the comfort of our own home. I love the idea of booking a massage and an hour later the therapist arrives. What a real treat. Using the Urban app is very quick and simple with lots of detailed information provided about each therapist. 
You can handpick your own therapist according to what you're looking to achieve from the massage that day or choose to rebook the same one from last time. So I've had a lymphatic drainage massage when I was feeling run down, a sports one after pulling a muscle and a relaxation massage when I've just needed to de-stress and zone out. As indulgent as this sounds, we should never feel guilty about taking some much needed time out of our busy lives. A massage doesn't just have to be a spa treat. With Urban, you have this at your fingertips at really reasonable prices and all the within the comfort of your own home. Or if you travel for work in your hotel room without paying the inflated hotel prices. So if this sounds like something you need in your life, and truthfully, who doesn't? I've arranged for you to receive a 15% discount of your first treatment with Urban. Simply download the Urban app, fill in your details, and then when booking, type in the code KATE15, so that's kate one five kate 15 at checkout. Currently, Urban operates in Manchester, London, Birmingham and Paris, including all the surrounding areas. In London and Paris, they also offer a wide range of beauty treatments, so from mani and pedis to barbering or lashes, as well as physiotherapy and osteopathy treatments. Urban are soon hoping to expand this offering as well to other cities, so do keep your eyes peeled. And now back to Catherine. So do you think that there is a responsibility from big corporations, companies to be supporting women? So they want to be nurturing the talent that they've got. They Mm. don't want to be losing them completely through burnout and overwhelm and stress. To be supporting them from, I guess, from when they become pregnant and they can almost coach them through about what to expect during the pregnancy and then afterwards when they, you know, during maternity leave and they're coming back. So there's a process where they're kind of keeping them and supporting them and not making them feel isolated and not making them feel like they should be coming back and Mm. they've got to be the same person that they were and I don't want any excuses and, you know, there is that kind of fear or, you know, you send your child to nursery and they get ill. There's something on, there's a parent's evening and you kind of like, oh, I've got to ask again and, oh God, how am I going to do this? And there's a massive pool of talent in women Mm. that I think throughout the years has been lost because they're just, women simply don't know how to manage both sides of their lives and they almost come to resent the ambition that they've got because it has a knock-on effect to their family and how Mm. they want their family to be as well. I think if women continue to want to work and and be thriving in their careers and have fulfilled careers, do you think, and this may be from the Work Happy project side, there is a massive responsibility moving forward and almost kind of being open, you know, to women, you know, I I mean, I'm not being sort of sexist, but when they're sort of in childbearing age... And also talking to the men about it, this process, because it is a very normal process. Women have been having babies for thousands of years, <laughs> yeah. and the only difference is women wanting to work throughout this time. And these communities don't exist anymore, these villages, yeah. this support network, we Absolutely. don't have our parents living next to us. All these things that would kind of support this kind mm-hmm. of journey as being a mum, we don't have to at our disposal, so... I believe that companies need to start embracing a new way of supporting and creating communities and villages. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, there are there are there are loads of companies that are doing amazing things around this and you know, that are, are setting up crashes within their workspace and various different ways and, and kind of giving flexibility and you know, the working world has changed phenomenally and is changing at such a rapid rate Mm. that it is mind-blowing. For organisations to keep pace and to be successful in the working world that we're in, 
is really, really challenging because, you know, they keep being thrown different curveballs left, right and centre that need to be managed to to keep them competitive. Mm. You know, there's a lot of talk about the war for talent and the fact that it's really, really difficult to attract and retain talent and the, the whole element of the millennial workforce and Generation Z workforces and what mm. they actually want is, you know, I find it all fascinating, but putting my MD head back on, it is really, really challenging to manage all of the, the different factors in people's lives these days mm. and their expectations and Lots needs. Of, yeah. yeah. And I think if you are a, a business owner, you've also got to have sort of your financial head Absolutely. on as well. Yeah. I think how's that yeah, going to yeah. service financially? And, and, and practically, you yeah. know, I've, I've had situations where I've had four or five team members in a team of maybe eight that are in and out on various different maternity leaves and first babies second babies one would come back another one would go off and it's genuinely Mm. operationally very very difficult Mm. to manage and it's easy to see that that companies have to do more and they should do more and they absolutely should I think from the well-being side of things because that's something I wanted to touch on yeah is definitely this sort of the well-being side because that for you is you know I'm obviously a well-being coach myself but for you that's a big part yeah. of the work copy project yeah. yeah and how you want to kind of ensure that you know people are looked after yeah. in work and outside of work and being a mum normally our priorities are right at the bottom we put everyone else first our yeah. kids obviously and then we've been worrying about work and all of that and I feel that we, as women now, we have more kind of admin load than ever, mm. where we've got the social media side going on, whether, you know, that's a good thing or a bad thing. We've got WhatsApp groups and all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. We've got birthday party presents, there's after school activities. It's never ending. Yeah. And we have everything else on top if we have a career as well. And... You know, something tips us over the yeah, edge. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always something. So yeah. it could be, you know, one of our kids having a tantrum. <clears throat> it could be forgetting a piece of homework, whatever it is. And it's how do we move forward? Because I think we can learn a lot from sort of the past 20 years. And now this kind of like whole well-being phenomenon has kind of become. And people, yeah. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, the mindfulness. It's the med- it's, exactly. Yeah, it's it's so the fact needed. that it's so big shows yeah. how desperate we've all become, this awakening mm. that we've, we've all needed. How can we just be a, a little bit more gentle in ourselves moving mm. forward? So how can we still embrace our role as a parent and, and, and wanting sort of like this family network, but also have a career that is fulfilling financially and kind of like spiritually and um, creatively mm. and how does that all me- mesh together moving forward and I know you like to sort of call it this mashup, don't yeah. you? The work-life yeah. mashup. Yeah because it is I think that's what it is now moving forward yeah. we have to kind of almost have a different mindset. Get comfortable with that just you know I think we, we talk about it quite a lot don't we in terms of there isn't almost that balance and I think if you are constantly chasing this utopian vision Mm. of a work-life balance you're always going to be really disappointed because you know you think you've nailed it when I think about all the different sort of combinations of flexible working that I did in my career since having the kids you know I work four days a week then I work five days and shorter days but one day at home and all these different ways to try and make it work but as your kids progress through the different stages of kind of you know one point I just had one in nursery, then I had two in nursery, and I just about nailed that. And then all of a sudden, Zach went to school, mm. and then it was like, ah, they're in different places at different times. And 
then the next goes to school and then they're in different schools. And it, it's such a, a tricky but constantly changing landscape, isn't it? And, you know, you throw into that, their needs change constantly in all of that as well. So, you know, whilst I less physically need to support them now in terms of changing nappies mm. or feeding up at night, all that sort of thing, it's now more emotional. And, you know, now more than ever, I'm really chuffed to be around with them in the evenings Mm. you know they might not need me to be actually doing anything for them but they'll come and have a chat with me about something and that to me is invaluable because you know that now is what I feel that they need me for I think it's the presence isn't it Mm. because I don't think they genuinely remember what the conversation was about Mm. but they remember whether you're there or not yeah and they remember whether you're in the kitchen at seven o'clock And I'm not disputing, you know, there's a lot of people out there that obviously can't be. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's no judgment and everyone does things differently. But I think to be able to know that you can be as present as possible mm. takes a bit of a load off, doesn't yeah. it? And I think technology and the the way of work nowadays has meant that there are so many different options to becoming self-employed and into that world of being an entrepreneur without all the technology and things that we've got today well let's face it we wouldn't be doing a podcast you know we wouldn't have the ability necessarily Mm. 10-15 years ago to run the types of businesses we're running now and I think these are the opportunities that women can achieve a better work-life mashup way of working and Christ we both know it's not easy and it's not straightforward and you have your own new challenges and fears and and everything that comes with that but I know I'm a happier mum for the fact that I'm doing things in the way that I'm doing things now you know my kids comment on it my husband comments on it my friends comment on it I know that I'm in a much much happier place and I think it comes down to understanding and giving yourself time to jump off that hamster wheel Mm. press the pause button and actually work out what you want your life to look like because otherwise you do come out the other end blink and it's it's kind of gone in a flash yeah what makes one working mum whatever happy or one human being happy is going to differ to what makes the next human happy and I think it's that understanding and designing your life in a way that enables you to put it all together I think the common denominator is is that we are on a bit of a hamster wheel yeah and if we don't make that space we don't Mm. kind of have that time out to reflect and to think okay is this what I want for the next five years ten years oh they're going to be out the house they're going to be uni whatever they're doing should I have made better choices five, ten years ago? It's a fear of regret, isn't it? It is. And, you know, there shouldn't be regret. But if we can offer people one thing from this podcast, for me, it would be being able to, to have a bit of time to reflect, to really think about what you want and take away people's expectations and take away what other people think you should be doing. Absolutely, yeah. And think, what do I want to be doing? And how can I make that work for me and my family? If you could look back when you first became a mum and, and you're looking at yourself then and you're looking at yourself now and yourself in the future, mm. what would you have liked to have told yourself and where would you like to see yourself in the future? I think what I would absolutely tell my younger self and my new mum self is stop thinking about what everybody else thinks I should be doing. Mm. 
stop trying to be everything to everyone because ultimately that leads to you not necessarily making the right choices. And I don't regret anything in terms of my working career today. I genuinely don't. You know, Mm. I couldn't be doing what I'm doing without having got myself in the career position that I did because that's given me the ability to save and to give myself a bit of breathing space to be able to, to set up the Work Happy Project. But I think certainly my advice would be to put myself and my family's wants ahead of what I felt I should do. And in and in terms of the future, the future doesn't worry me because I think I've learned how to understand myself. You know, in the, in the last 18 months, two years, and, you know, through being coached myself and through having this brilliant network of friends that are in a, a similar space and the discussions and that that generates I feel quite comfortable now that I've learned how to prioritize what makes me and my family happy and Mm. so I kind of I'm just excited about what that future could be for the work happy project and you know being able to run that in a mashed up way with my family life and achieve sort of happiness really in in both sides of that exciting it is it's wonderful and it is such an impressive concept and I can't wait to see what you're going to do with it next I think you're going to do brilliantly are you on Instagram social media have you got a website yes absolutely so I'm on Instagram as the work happy project Um, and I'm quite active on there lots of kind of hints and tips and various bits and pieces and I'm also on LinkedIn, Catherine Tiddy, and my website is the bane of my life at the moment, but <laughs> should be launched. My aim is to get launched at the beginning of 2020. Exciting. Okay, yeah. well, wishing you lots of luck. Thank you so Can't much. Can't wait for the future, and I will, we will see each other very soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So that is this week's episode done. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'd love to know if some of the insights resonated with you or if there were some takeaways that you're possibly able to apply to your life. I would really love to hear your feedback and perspective on today's conversation as well. Perhaps we talked about a topic that sparked something within you or you have something to offer to the other listeners. Either way, I would love to hear from you. In order to help grow the Ambitious Mum community and allow the podcast to be heard by other people, please do rate, subscribe and share it across your social networks. This will really help with the visibility of a new podcast. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Coaching by Kate and do use the hashtag The Ambitious Mum Podcast so I can find your comments easily. So please do get in touch if you have any more to say. I'll also provide all links to my guests and my contact details on The Ambitious Mum show notes too. See you next week. Thank you.